Hi, uh, this is Jim Fries. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Interactions, a conversational artificial intelligence company, and this is The Conversation, a podcast airing viewpoints on the impact of AI on business and society. Today we're doing something a little different. We're in the basement of a restaurant. All of our podcasts so far have been recorded in a studio. We're doing this one live. We had a uh, uh, a willing victim to join me, uh, Thomas Thomas Arnold. He's a researcher at Tufts University Human Robot Interaction Laboratory and a lecturer in the university's computer science department. Uh, Thomas is an expert in ethical robot design with a background in theological studies and also the classics. Thomas, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, you approach AI from a very unique perspective. You have a master's in theological studies and you're working towards your PhD uh, in the study of religion, uh, both at Harvard. First, can you explain what the Tufts Human-Robot Interaction Lab is and how you got involved with it? Sure, so the Human-Robot Interaction Lab is a kind of intersection between computer science, cognitive science, psychology, linguistics, policy, philosophy, and ethics. It really is a round table where designing social robotic systems attempts to integrate considerations of social norms, best design practices, and the realities of how we as people interact with robots. And then we have considerations of ethics and philosophical questions about what should robots be doing? How should they be designed? And how does that link up with issues in law, policy, and so on? So it's, it really is this kind of intersection of a number of fields. It's quite an eclectic group, it sounds like, that, that you work with. Can, can you talk a little bit about the importance of having so many different backgrounds and kind of, kind of having that eclectic mix of individuals who are working in this, this robot lab? Yes, yeah, so this is really the exciting point for me coming from a religious studies background. Uh, if you had told me seven years ago you're going to be working at a robotics lab, I, I have no idea what I would have thought or how I would have projected that. The, the concrete kind of nature of what robots should do quickly uh, gets you into a situation where you realize you need multiple perspectives. For me, coming from religious studies, it was evident that there was a role to play to think about norms, what people value, what people hold sacred, what kinds of things would be a violation uh, on the part of a robot, and what things should be safeguarded uh, that uh, you know, makes for a seat at the table along with people who are thinking about motion planning and how a robot arm should best move to pick something up. All those things can come together in, the, in, this, in this really charged way where you have to have a certain amount of intellectual humility and realize there's no one person that's going to have the whole picture or the comprehensive view of everything. We really have to be collaborative and, and have a productive dialogue around it. Um, one of the things I've, I've learned, uh, having worked in uh, AI for a while now, is that that people, there are a lot of misperceptions about, uh, about AI. and, and uh, it's sometimes always difficult to, to explain to people who are not familiar with artificial intelligence what I do and what the company does. And I always try to explain it uh, in the context of something that they know. I'm curious as to when you tell people what you do, what their initial reaction is. 
Yeah, so I, I, I kind of made a, a real turn at the cocktail party scene from uh, dry philosophical <laughs> uh, text to, ooh, you work with robots and Asimov and Blade Runner and Terminator. <laughs> Terminator, yes. Yeah, so, so it's become kind of a vocational duty to, to, to rewatch or watch for the first time some of the movies just to have some of the lingo and be able to connect the ordinary, what I would consider pretty ordinary realities of where uh, robots are in a lot of cases with some of the fantastic projections. I find myself usually having to ground things and saying, you know, I have to worry about a robot tripping on carpet, not taking over the world at this point. Uh, and, and, and while there are some, some definite large-scale AI issues, uh, we can't forget some of the uh, almost comical uh, failures that could happen. That needs to be given uh, perspective, especially because of the sensitive and intimate nature that some of these systems are going to have, including, uh, as with interactions, just the ordinary conversation, just the, the subtle details of even what I'm doing now of saying uh or um, you know, what that represents about us as, as people with bodies. Yeah, or just motions with your hands and your face and all of that sense. Right. It, it, it's, a human conversation is quite complex. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, uh, you've spoken a lot and I've read uh, some articles um, one here, which I think is really interesting, I would recommend. It's uh, in the Tufts magazine. AI is smart. Can we make it kind? But um, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is you've spoken a lot about responsible design and instilling, instilling ethical standards. Can you talk a little bit about that in particular? What does responsible design and robotics look like? Well, I think, you know, responsible design is a horizon in the sense of it's something that will be never fully achieved or, or be able to, to say, we've got it, we've completely, uh, utterly responsibly designed something. I think for our lab's work, one of the big issues that, that we uh, really try to work toward in terms of a standard are systems that uh, are explainable uh, and systems that can actually give a, an accurate, accountable explanation of what it is they are doing. So, so I'm intrigued by this notion, something I read about called uh, transparent thought processes where, I'll ask it this way, how important is it that the design be done in a way that humans understand why the robot's doing what it's doing, which drafts off, I think, the concept you were just talking about. The types of systems that we're working on in the lab are ones that are going to be interactive in the real world. And that means that they are going to be not just making a decision for a particular problem where human beings can be observing from the outside, as we saw with uh, the game Go, when AlphaGo uh, from DeepMind defeated the human world champion. AlphaGo made some moves that were unexpected, that even Go experts were wondering, why did it make that? What was going on? And in that case, within the confines of a game, AlphaGo didn't need to explain. The only criterion was, did it win? But in social contexts where we're coordinating our behavior with one another, think on a street or even in this uh, restaurant uh, that, that we're speaking at today, you, you need to be able to understand and coordinate with others what it is you're doing, being able to communicate what it is you're doing so that they in turn can react 
A go board doesn't involve people that could be hit or need a glass of water, but in our social, real-life, interactive settings, uh, that's, a, that's a higher standard. And so being transparent is about, not about the robot being all-knowing or having uh, uh, you know, superhuman abilities. It needs to be able to coordinate and assist and cooperate in a way that, that is uh, accessible. Something you said a, a few minutes ago about designing and uh, designing robots and, and the subtleties of human communication. You know, if I'm sitting in a restaurant and and a waiter comes by to pour more wine in my glass and I put my hand over the glass, and it, anybody who knows me knows that would never happen. But <laughs> assuming <laughs> assuming I did, assuming I did, the the waiter would know. No, no, I don't want any more wine. How do you design for that kind of human interaction? That kind of subtlety. I promise this was not planned beforehand. <laughs> Jim, you put your finger on exactly that scenario we're working on, the situation of, of a server at a table and the issue of consent and these the very subtle ways in which uh, maybe you put your silverware down, not done yet, uh, you know, that, that little give and take that we have with the server of why do you want to take away my food? I'm not done yet, uh, but maybe you are waiting for them to take it. Uh, this is the type of subtlety that, that we're really interested in in terms of what that, what that would mean for a robotic system to function well. Uh, and the, the serving of a drink, we just wrote a paper uh, this, uh, some months ago on consent, that that's kind of been uh, an under, underrepresented issue in human-robot interaction, where how do, where do we consent to a robot starting to interact, starting to ask us questions, starting to do things in our personal space. That's already really fraught. And uh, so we're, that's really a research area for us. How in a certain context can a system understand this is okay, this is expected, uh, you know, the, the physical act would be difficult for a robot uh, in terms of taking your coat off, but that's the type of gesture that in a certain context, yes, that's natural, uh, that you would want to take my coat off and then uh, you know, hang it somewhere. But outside, you know, maybe even 10 feet outside of a restaurant or what have you, it would be highly inappropriate uh, and, a, and, a, and a very weird thing to say, oh, can I, can I take your coat? Uh, so this is exactly the, the type of subtlety that, that we're, we're interested in, in and representing and really asking how how should a robot system fit into in that situation? Are, are there any companies or anything you've seen research or otherwise that you're really excited about because you think, wow, these guys are really getting it right relative to how to think about robotic design in an ethical fashion? I think you know uh, there there have been. I can't. I won't cite any companies uh, right away, but I will say that in the uh, companion robot space, I do think in my conversations there is a growing recognition of subtleties in terms of what kind of personality, what type of voice, what issues of gender, what issues of uh, gender roles need to be uh, uh, incorporated. I was talking with someone about uh, a colleague of mine in human-robot interaction, Julie Carpenter, who's out in San Francisco, who's worked with a Danish team on a genderless voice assistant um, in, in terms of really attending to the character of a voice and not typecasting an assistant necessarily as a typically female voice. 
the field in general is starting to understand uh, some of the subtle dynamics and realizing that this isn't uh, something ornate to put on at the end or to consider ethics as kind of a sprinkle on the Sunday, but that ethics needs to start from the very beginning of what a system is, what it's being designed to do. So I think in general, I'm encouraged in, in terms of, of where things are headed. When I was listening to you talk about the notion of, of consent, developing intelligent virtual assistants, we deal with with trying to advise customers on a way to do that that is respectful of their consumers. We always advise our clients to, when we do the introduction, to have the intelligent virtual assistant say that I am an intelligent virtual assistant, I understand complete sentences, you can speak to me like you would speak to you know, uh, another person. But we advise our customers to say it's an intelligent virtual assistant because we've seen research and our own primary research has indicated that consumers don't want to be fooled into thinking they're talking to a human. I'm, I'm wondering if, if there are just general lines or, or general pieces of advice you provide regarding, you know, you're, you're, that's going too far. You're, you're stepping over the line. And, and it's obviously probably situational, but I'm curious as to your thoughts on that. I mean, that's really interesting. I think that's, I would applaud that consideration around, around giving a kind of a primary notification that this is, a, this is an IVA, this is an intelligent virtual assistant. I would say from our lab experiments and the things that we see, uh, I'd say one po- piece of advice is that that initial identification or clarification will not prevent ongoing kind of attributions and, and ongoing reactions uh, uh, between the person and the and the IVA, we we've had studies uh, that where you can tell someone this robot only understands three commands. But if that robot, we have a, a series of studies where the robot says no to a certain command. Once the robot says no to someone, you will have participants immediately start negotiating, immediately start using language that you've told them again and again. It does not understand. So I, I think it's part of the importance of HRI is to say that how we think in the abstract will will interact with a robot is not in fact how we do interact. We have way too many personal, interpersonal language instincts, social instincts that just we're not going to be able to suppress. And so one thing I would say is the longer a conversation goes on, I would say it's more and more likely that a person will slip back into attributing things to the IVA and and implicitly assuming that the IVA will understand things, even without it necessarily being conscious, that, that there may be attributions or expectations that will be harder to fulfill. Well, it's interesting you say that because even though you know, we once again advise customers, and they do, they generally say this is an intelligent virtual assistant, I understand complete sentences, there are recordings where there will be consumers interacting with it, asking towards the end of the transaction, is this a human? Are you a live person? Um, And we'll occasionally get the end of a a successful transaction. God bless you. Um, You know, so they, I mean, it's, it's, it's not uncommon at all that, you know, initially it starts off perhaps in a more robotic fashion in terms of responses, 
because unfortunately consumers have been trained to act like robots when they're dealing with, with right. technology. Right. How can how can companies infuse ethical best practices in the work they're doing, leveraging this technology and designing? You know, I think there are, there are a number of ways to go about it, but one approach is really to look at cases. Uh, in the case of Alexa, there's a great article uh, on Wired called The Terrible Joy of Yelling at Alexa. And it's about a person that, uh, who, with whose spouse, uh, the two of them would yell at Alexa, curse at Alexa, vent after a long day of work. The problem being when the two-year-old started doing the same thing, using the cuss words, using the same language. And so all of a sudden, the ethical issue was right at the center of, oh, what, how are we treating Alexa? What, what do we call Alexa? What, uh, uh, and, and how do we repair this? So it's not a problem that was necessarily foreseen, but it's a good case of let's really have the moral imagination to flesh out what, what interaction actually is. And so thinking of cost is going to be there, thinking of uh, uh, liability is going to be there, uh, from legal, thinking about corporate branding is there. All of those you know, issues are, are, are in the mix. But really, I think you, you need to think of it as, as part of uh, the engineering task is the imagination of the interaction, of really fleshing out and, and using ethics as a conversation to, to really help do that in a, in, in a better way. Uh, and I mean better in, in kind of a, a number of different senses where you're going to have a better product because you, you really fleshed it out and really imagined things in, in, in a more robust fashion. Because when you do that, the ethics become you know, much clearer and much more evident earlier on. This has been fantastic, Thomas. I really, really appreciate it. You know, one of the things that I love about what we're trying to do with the conversation is to bring together people who have a very unique uh, perspective uh, and bring that perspective to, to an intersection of artificial intelligence and talk about the impact on society, talk about things like we did today around ethics and design. Really appreciate it, Thomas. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jim, and thank you to Interactions for having me. Really Terrific. appreciate it. That's a wrap.